0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's word. All right. Do me a favor. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. For those of you who are tired, you can rest your eyes for just a little bit. But I want you to think for just a moment. I'm going to give you three different options, and I'm going to have you raise your hand which option you think best fits you. I'm getting a little sick and tired recently of seeing how effective the the devil's attacks are being on God's people here, especially in this area of emotional attacks and mental attacks. There are three... Different groups that you might be in. Group number one, you just don't believe that you have any purpose in this life. You don't know where you came from. You don't know who you are. You don't know where you're going. There's a Bible word for that. It's called lost. When you don't know where you came from and you don't know where you're going, you are lost. Group number two, you believe you have a purpose, but you don't know if that purpose is divine. You don't know if God has a purpose for you. You believe that you have a purpose in the world, sure, maybe your job or raising family or just something kind of temporal. But as far as eternal is concerned, you don't know that you have a purpose in that area. Or maybe you are in group number three, You believe you have a purpose. You believe that you had a divine purpose. But something happened to you or you did something. And now you believe you've lost that purpose. Because of what has happened to you, because of something in your past, you don't believe that God could fulfill that purpose with you anymore. Now, heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you think you're in group number one. I've got no clue where I'm coming from, where I'm going. I just want to know who I'm preaching to this morning. If that's you, put your hand up, put it right back down. Okay. Group number two. I believe I have a purpose. No clue what my divine purpose is, if I have a divine purpose. Is that you? Raise your hand. Okay, okay, okay. Much more than the first one. I believe I had a divine purpose and now I believe something messed it up. Is that you? Raise your hand. Yep, Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. All right, look up here. I'm gonna be your encourager this morning. If you're lost, you're gonna be found. If you don't believe you have a divine purpose, Let me tell you, you do. If you believe you've lost it, I'm going to prove to you you haven't. See, last week I said unworthy but not what? You remember? Unworthy but not unwanted. God still wants to use you. He still wants to save you. He still wants to fill you, right? But I just said it to you. This week I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove, if you will listen, why I know You still have a purpose. I'm going to prove to you how I can say for sure there is a reason you are alive today. And it's a divine reason. It's a divine purpose. Last week was unworthy, but not unwanted. We're going to read some verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's see if you can find out what this week's is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1 again, and we'll go to verse 12. Listen to me, sir. Listen to me, ma'am. If you are here and you're lost, no reason for you to be that way. God gave you a map, and he gave you a light. If you do not know what your divine purpose is, you have one. I'm going to show you what it is. If you believe you've lost it, you're wrong. And I know that you're wrong. Simply by the fact that you are here, you are wrong. If you are breathing, you have a divine purpose. Do you understand me? If you are breathing, you have a divine purpose. I do not care what you have done. I do not care what has been done to you. Does some mending need to happen? Probably. Some repenting need to happen? Certainly. But if you are here and you are breathing, you have a divine purpose. Let me prove it to you by Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Notice that right there. As we have received what? What is mercy for? Mercy is for when you done messed up and you need another chance. Right there in verse number one, there's only one reason why we don't faint in this ministry of the gospel. It's only because we have received mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of us have received more mercy than others. Certainly, we don't wanna be a, a repeated recipient of mercy. But needing mercy does not exempt you or does not disqualify you from service. It's what allows you to keep on serving. Verse two, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, commending ourselves. And what are we? What he says in verse seven or in verse five is we preach not ourselves because we're nothing. We're nothing. We preach not ourselves, we preach Christ Jesus. Ourselves, we're just servants, is what he says. We are just servants for Christ's sake. Earthen vessels, right, is what he says in verse seven. Skip ahead to verse uh, verse seven. Verse six talks about how God wants to save us, how God wants to fill us, how God wants to use us, but we have an issue. We have this treasure of the gospel in earthen vessels. Now there's a reason for that, that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. Remember, uh, the way that a chef really proves his expertise is by being able to take some very mean tools and very horrible ingredients and making something incredible. How God shows his, mas- his mastery of humanity is by taking somebody incredibly unworthy and using that person regardless to bring about his will and his purpose. Have you ever watched Bob Ross? You, Ross- you watch Bob Ross, right? Painting the happy little trees and happy little bushes and we don't have mistakes, we just make happy accidents or something like that. <clears throat> you know why he's an incredible artist? Because he takes some very simple tools, like a two-inch brush and a one-inch brush and a fan brush and all these different things and makes these masterpieces out of it. God is a masterful artist. And I know that not because he uses the best brushes, but because he has painted some masterpieces with an absolute mess of a brush, you and I, if we would just be available to him. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And he continues this contrast between how great God is and how measly we are. He says this, we are, we, the earthen vessels, we're troubled on every side. And then he says this, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body. Verse 10 and 11, he kind of repeats himself. Verse 10, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Let me say it again another way. We which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Jesus rose again, didn't he? Well, if you're gonna rise again, you have to die first. And if we're going to walk in newness of life, if we're going to be used for a higher purpose, we have to die first to a lower purpose. So then he says in verse 12, I love this, death worketh in us, but life in you. Death works in me. Death works in the speaker. Death works in the giver of the gospel, but life works in the hearer of the gospel. I'll try to Put it all together, all right? Dear Lord, please bless the preaching of your word. Let it come across clearly. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So my my goal is to try to get you to understand why you're still alive. Why are you still here? Why are you still a-kicking? After all that you've gone through, after all that has happened to you, especially spiritually, why are you still here? I think all of us have lived a hard life, maybe somebody harder than others, but especially I am trying to target my message at those of you who have lived a difficult past. You might say this, those of you who have been troubled on every side, those of you who have lived a perplexed life, those of you who have been persecuted, those of you who have been cast down. We can't say it better than the Bible says it, right? Troubled on every side. We know what that means, but if we can put it this way, compressed, surrounded. Can we do And it's not just being surrounded. It's being pressed in on every side. Now you've never felt that way in your life. Have you? Or how about this one? Perplexed. What does perplexed mean? Confused, uncertain, Unclear. Now, we've certainly never felt that way. Persecuted. Chased. Attacked. Cast down. No better way to say that. Thrown down. Grabbed. Manhandled. And do you notice the progression? Do you notice the progression of it? It starts with just being surrounded. But then it compresses in. And then you start wondering what's going to happen. You're perplexed. You're unclear. You're uncertain of what the future is going to hold. And then besides the pressure comes the talk, comes the barking, comes the attacking. And then he says there even comes a time where the enemy gets his hands on you and wrestles you down, throws, casts you down to the ground. I'm talking to you because those are the people who are the easiest to convince God's got nothing for me. Too much has happened to me. Too much has happened because of me. And so you're just wandering aimlessly, sitting on the sidelines of church because you believe you're damaged and God can't use you anymore and God won't use you anymore. Yeah, you can go to work, but you can't teach a Sunday school class. Yeah, you can work for corporate, but you can't work for the king. Yeah, your neighborhood watch has use of you, but never an usher. Yes, I can serve the world and I can make money, but I can't serve the Lord and I can't make disciples. That's where you're at. My goal, is to make you understand there is a reason why you're still alive. Last week was unworthy, but not unwanted, right? This week, unworthy, but not undone. Not undone. Troubled on every side? Yes. Yet, not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. You, may very, you are unworthy for the treasure of the gospel to be put in you. You are unworthy. And in me, I am unworthy. But we're not unwanted and we're not undone, even after all that has happened to us, even after all that, that we have gone through. Now, in order to convince you of this, I have five movements in my message. First of all, I want to talk to you about what I will call the rule. And I'll explain that in a little bit. And then there's a usual result of that rule. And there's a reason why that usual result happens in that rule. You know what I mean by rule? There's an exception to the rule. Okay, but the rule is what I'm talking about. And then there's a usual result of that rule. There's a reason why that is the usual result. But then there are some exceptions to the rule. I want to explain to you why some, many actually, are an exception to the rule, and that is going to bring you to understand your purpose. Now, maybe that doesn't make any sense, but hopefully it will. Here's the rule. Are you ready? Here is the unavoidable, inevitable, inescapable law of life. It's hard. You're born, it's difficult, and then you die. It's hard. It is a diff- Life is a battle. That is the rule. You are not gonna get through this life. I don't care how much money you've got. You are not gonna get through this life without battle. I don't care how many degrees you have. You can have more degrees than a thermometer. I don't care. You, you are going to face a battle in this life, especially Christians especially those who are saved. Now, listen, choose your hard, okay? The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard, but also Christianity is difficult, and it is a battle. Now, listen, you might say, well, if I'm I'm on the devil's side, he's not going to battle me. You might be on the devil's side, and he might not attack you. Look, We know that when you are against the devil, he's gonna attack you, right? Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We know that, and that's really where we're gonna focus. People who are saved, the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the enemy is gonna set his sights on you. Now, you might think, well, I'm over here on the devil's side, he's gonna leave me alone. There's just a problem, he's a traitor. So both of you are gonna live a hard life. But one of them is gonna make it through and one of them is not. So the moment you get saved, the devil puts his sights on you. What is he gonna do first? First, he's gonna trouble you on every side. He's gonna surround you and he is gonna compress you. That, that word, troubled on every side, is a similar connotation to Romans chapter 12, verse two. Be not conformed to this world you are saved. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, therefore, because you are saved, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed, be not compressed, be not fit and pressed into the mold of this world. Now, that tells us two different things. First of all, it tells us the danger of the world, that it does not matter that you are saved. You very well could be conformed into a mold that you don't belong. You are made to break the mold when you are saved, not conform into it. It's like putting a square peg in a round hole. Never going to fit. Never going to work. Be not conformed to this world. It also shows you the desire of the world. The desire wants to take a Christian and make you as worldly as possible. Nebuchadnezzar when those Israelites came into his his kingdom, what did he do? I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your diet and I'm going to put you in a 3-year school so that you are more like us. So that you will be learned in the knowledge and the tongue of the Babylonians. And that is the same thing the world wants to do today. We find some the world finds somebody who believes differently, acts differently, eats differently, talks differently and they say Come in our school, and we are going to make you more like us. So think about it. The devil, once you are saved, wants to make it very clear you are the minority. And he surrounds you. He surrounds you at school. He surrounds you at work. He surrounds you in class. He surrounds you in your neighborhood with a lot of people who do not believe the way that you believe. And it's not good enough just to surround you. They start infringing in our space. Thanks, government, right? Caesar starts coming in and messing with the Lord because that is what the devil wants to do. Once that starts happening, what's next? Confusion. Now, God is not the author of confusion. Who is? Satan is the author of confusion. And when a child of God finds himself, herself, surrounded and compressed, you start wondering. You can't help but wondering. It's the flesh within you. What's going to happen? And the future is unclear. The future is uncertain. And if the devil can get us unclear and uncertain, he can get us to start believing some pretty stupid stuff. That's why God is the opposite. He's in the opposite job, right? The devil is in confusion and and unclarity. And God says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's everything we need for today. It's everything we need for tomorrow. Everything we need for up close, everything we need for far. But the devil wants to get that away from us by compressing us, surrounding us, confusing us, perplexing us. That's the word perplexed. But then he ups his game. And you're not just surrounded at school. Now the schoolmates start jabbing. You're not just surrounded at work. Now work starts talking. See, you're at work like we were at Chase, right? We're at Chase, and we're just trying to make some money to get ourselves through Bible college, and we get an email, The color printers are now open. we, We worked in like the second most powerful bank in the world, and we had these black and white printers. But every now and then, there was a color printer. We have opened the color printers up today because this is LGBTQ Pride Month. And if you are an ally, is what they said, if you are an ally, you will be given a special code where you can print off this rainbow banner and put it up in your cubicle. Surrounded, compressed, and the people who did not put it up got questioned. The sign said, proud to be an ally, all, all pretty and rainbows and everything. I put one up in the black and white printer, proud to be a Christian, right in that spot. And you know what started happening? Persecution. And when you're at church, or or not at church, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're in your neighborhood, when you're at your family gathering, just out in society, and you dress like a Christian, you talk like a Christian, you don't do the things that they do, it's not enough to be surrounded. It's not enough to try to confuse you. They're going to start jabbing at you. But then he ups his game, if he can. If he can, there's going to come a time where he will grab you and cast you down hard. Sometimes, like Job or Elijah, it's just a test. And the Lord lifts the hedge and lets the devil come in and he doesn't mess around. He grabs you and he throws you down. Many times when the devil gets close enough to put his hands on us, it's our own fault. It's not because the Lord lifted the hedge, it's because we broke it. The Bible says, Whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. How many times in the past has the devil gotten his hands on you and taken your life and absolutely ripped it apart and cast it down? And what percentage of those was your fault? I would say the majority. It's because you said something you shouldn't say, you did something you shouldn't have done, you went somewhere you shouldn't have gone, you drank something you shouldn't have drank, you partook of something you shouldn't have partaken of, and the hedge was broken and the devil came in and cast you down. But folks, that's the rule. It's inevitable, it's unavoidable, it's inescapable. We are in a battle with a very real enemy. He always targets you. He walks about seeking whom he may devour as a roaring lion. He always targets you. He never fights fair. He doesn't care about rules of engagement. He doesn't care that you're a kid. He doesn't care that you're a newborn in Christ. He does not care. He doesn't care that you're about to get married. He doesn't care that you love your family. He doesn't care that your family loves you. He always seeks to attack you and he never fights fair. And sometimes he gets close enough to actually get his hands on you. It starts very small. It'll start with just a foothold in the door of your home. You start watching things you shouldn't watch. You start listening to music you shouldn't listen to. This new show is just so intriguing, so you watch it. And the language and the immorality, he just, the door opens and he sticks his foot in like the salesman, you know, like the salesman. And he'll just wait there for a little bit. And then, before long, you're shaking hands with him. Here's the devil's progression: foothold, handhold, chokehold. You start by giving in to the devil; you will end by giving up to him. That's the rule. Now, do you know the usual result? Do you know the usual result when a person is troubled on every side, surrounded, compressed? The usual result is distress. The word distress means crushed. Do you know the usual result when a person is perplexed, confused, uncertain, filled with the unknown? The usual result of that? Despair. Despair is the utter loss of hope. No light at the end of the tunnel. No way of getting out of this. Do you know the usual result when a person is persecuted? They feel all alone. Forsaken. Elijah, I'm the only one. That is the usual result. Do you know the usual result? Listen to me. When the devil, how about this? You go to the safaris of Africa and come face to face with a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he gets his paws on you. What is the usual result? Dead, 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 deaded, done, dead. What is the usual result when a person is grabbed and cast down? Destroyed, and there's a reason for that result. Folks, we're nothing. We're not made of metal. We are earthen vessels. Remember, cheap, inexpensive clay pots is what Paul says. What, what usually happens when you take a clay pot and you compress it on every side? It's going to get crushed. What is usually going to happen when you take a person who has the mental and physical fortitude of a clay pot and you put it in a perplexing situation, what is the usual result? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? No hope, no hope, no hope. Despair. And you start persecuting that person. Or what happens if you take a clay pot and you cast it down on the ground? What is the usual result? It's gonna shatter into a million pieces. And that is what you are. A cheap, fragile clay pot. We have way too much pride today. That's our problem, especially in America. We have way too much pride. And you will never come to the Lord and you will never let the Lord come to you until you humble yourself. And the truth of the matter is, you are just a kid surrounded at school by a bunch of people who don't believe the way that you believe and who probably never will. You are just a young adult who is uncertain about the future, perplexed. You are just a young lady who is under attack by her family (laughs) in the court, by society, or you are just a person, man or woman, who because of your own doing or because of a test that you went through, the devil got his hands on and threw you down to the ground. That's all you are. And yet here you are. You get it? And yet here you are. Here you are today, an earthen vessel that's been surrounded and compressed and yet not crushed. Here you are, a person who's been perplexed, but you're not in despair. You're persecuted, but you're not alone. You've been cast down, and yet you're not. Yet here you are. Think of how many times, I'm getting away from my notes here, but think how many times you found yourself absolutely surrounded and outnumbered, and yet here you are. Think of how many times you woke up in the morning and you thought, I've got no clue what the next hour holds, let alone the next day, and yet here you are. Think of how many times you have been persecuted, chased, attacked by an enemy that wants nothing more than to grab you and cast you down, and yet here you are. Think of how many times he actually did get his hands on you. Because you did something dumb or you said something dumb and you ignored counsel or whatever it is. You did something that you knew was wrong and before you know it, this little kitty cat that you were petting turns into a roaring lion that seeks to grab you and throw you down. And yet here you are. Why? I wanna know why. When there is an exception to the rule, you have to ask why. When there is an anomaly, you have to ask why. Because it is not the usual result for a person to be troubled on every side and yet not distressed. It is not the usual result for somebody to be perplexed and yet not in despair. It's not the usual result to be persecuted and not forsaken, cast down and not destroyed. That is not the usual result. After all you've been through, why are you still here? After all the troubling, why are you not crushed? After all of the perplexing situations, why do you still have hope? After all of the persecution, why are you why are you acting like you're not alone? And after all the times you have been cast down, why are you st- some some of you people, I know, went through times in your marriage where the devil got a hold of it and shook it and tore it, and cast it down. And yet you're sitting next to each other, smiling. Why? Some of you, you got messed up in alcohol, you got messed up in drugs, and the devil came and he grabbed you and he cast you down. And yet here you are. Why? There's got to be a reason why. Some of you, we're at one point in the depths of uncertainty, you did not know what was going on, and now and, and yet here you are with direction and a purpose. Why? Well, I tell you, that vessel, what a vessel. Has nothing to do about the container, does it? It has everything to do with the contents of the container. It has nothing to do with us. It is only because the gospel of Jesus Christ has reached our hearts. That's it. That's it. Look at verse 10 and 11, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So then church, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of it? (laughs) There's a rule that life is difficult. The usual result of that rule is that you don't make it through because you're nothing, you're nobody. We are earthen vessels in our best day, fragile, cheap, inexpensive. And yet here you are, you seem to be the, you are the exception to the rule. And the explanation is not because of who you are, but because there's something within you that that has protected you and that has brought you through for a purpose. You know what that purpose is? Death worketh in us, but life in you. Does that make sense? I want you to think about it. Do you know how many people are here in this room? You should have been crushed a long time ago. Admit it. You should have been crushed a long time ago. You should have lost hope a long time ago. You should have been left alone a long time ago. And you should have been destroyed a long time ago. And yet here you are because the gospel of Jesus Christ reached your heart. And now, because of all that Jesus brought you through, have you considered how many people you can help by sharing the gospel with them? I'm talking, okay, okay. David was used, right? Was David used? Yes, he was. But consider with me everything that happened to David in his life. And let me tell you this. It wasn't until after David was troubled on every side. It wasn't until after he was perplexed in many different areas. It wasn't until after he was persecuted. It wasn't until after... The devil got his hands on David and cast him down. It wasn't until after all those things happened that he wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It wasn't until after Moses was troubled on every side, after he was perplexed, after he was persecuted, after he was cast down, he murdered somebody. And he wandered on the backside of a wilderness for 40 years That's a long time, people. It wasn't until after all that happened that Moses led the Israelites and received the law of God. It wasn't until after Job was troubled on every side. Now, he was a great man before. He was a great man before. But it wasn't until after he was troubled on every side, after he was perplexed, after he was persecuted, after he was even gotten a hold of and cast down, that he said, you know, before this, I had heard of the Lord Now mine eye seeth thee. What about Peter? It wasn't until after that man was troubled, after that man was perplexed, after that man was persecuted, after that man was gotten a hold of by the devil and cast down when he denied our Lord three times and cussed while he did it, it wasn't until after he preached Pentecost and 3,000 souls came to the Lord after. So you're thinking that God can't use you, that he had a purpose for you, and, he ru- and you ruined it. Here's how I know God still has a future for you. Look at all that you went through in the past, and yet you're still here. No. Yet yeah, you're still here. You're still kicking. There's a reason why. Now, it may not make sense at first, but here's what solidified it for me. I struggled with this message. What is Paul saying? And why is he saying it? And why does it make me feel better when the devil comes and does all this stuff to me and says you're unworthy and you're worthless and you're done, right? You're done. How can Paul say no, you're not after all that I've gone through and after all that I've done? Consider this. When I share the gospel, I need to be able to convince the person that I am talking to that my God is a strong God. I need to be able to convince that person through the Holy Spirit's help, I understand. But when I'm sharing the gospel, I need to be able to convince that person my God is strong, my God is loving, my God is faithful, and my God is forgiving and merciful and gracious. I need to be able to say that. Church, I don't like it. I really don't like it. But I would never be able to know how strong my God is unless there was a time where I was troubled on every side and yet not distressed. I would never be able to know how loving my God is unless there was a time I was perplexed, And yet, for some reason, the peace of God that passed all understanding came to me. I would never be able to convince people how faithful my God was unless there was a time I was persecuted and yet never left alone. And there have been plenty of times where I've been chased and attacked by the devil and vain was the help of man, but God stayed with me. I could not tell people my God is faithful without having gone through persecution and made it through. I can't tell people that my God is loving without having gone through very perplexing situations and yet having hope. I could never convince somebody that my God was strong if I was not troubled on every side. It wasn't, it wasn't the container that kept me from not getting crushed. You know, if you take a a clay pot or a jar and you put it in a press, it's going to be crushed. Unless you fill that thing with something really strong, then try to crush it all you want. It ain't going to be crushed. And here's one I really don't like. I, I, I don't like it, but I love it. I certainly would never be able to share the gospel with people unless I could tell people how forgiving my God was. And I would never know how forgiving my God was unless there was a time I did something dumb and the devil got a hold of me and said, Your mind, boom! And yet I get back up. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. What a container. What a vessel. No, what a savior. And what a gospel. And that is why I'm able to tell people, I don't know that the Lord could forgive me. (laughs) Let me tell you of a time I was cast down and yet not destroyed. I don't know if the Lord is strong enough for me. Let me tell you of a time I was troubled on every side and yet not crushed. I just don't know what to do, and I don't know if the Lord can give me light. Let me tell you of many times I was perplexed, but I had hope. And let me tell you of how many times I was persecuted, but never left alone. The truth of the matter is, I know how strong my God is because I was troubled. I know how loving he is because I was perplexed. I know how faithful he is because I was persecuted. I know how forgiving he is because I was cast down. And yet the devil's going to try to convince you because you're troubled, because you're perplexed, because you're persecuted, and because you're cast down, the Lord can't use you? So here are some choices today. If you are saved, but... You're troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and even cast down. Choice number one, give up. And it seems like some of you have. The devil has convinced you, you're done. Okay, give up. Give up and wander aimlessly throughout the rest of your life. Come to church, take up 18 inches of pew, some of you more. and don't do anything for God or get up and speak up because the truth of the matter is some of the best soul winners in this room are people who have been more troubled and more perplexed and more persecuted and more cast down than any other person but they are able to talk to somebody else who's going through hell on earth right now and say, I've been through that. I've been through that. And it's not because of me. It's because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a purpose for it, my friend. Here's the next choice. If you are lost, I hope you realize without Christ within you, what hope do you have? What hope do you have when you are troubled on every side? What's going to happen to you? You're going to be crushed and crushed quick. What's going to happen to you when you are perplexed and you have no Christ in your heart? You're going to be in despair quick without hope. He is our hope. He's the source of all hope. What is going to happen to you when you're persecuted? Oh, the devil would never persecute his own. You have no clue who your king is. What's going to happen when you are persecuted and you have no Christ within you, forsaken, left alone? And what's going to happen when the devil finally gets his hands on you and casts you to the ground and no Christ in your heart? You will be destroyed. So for those of you who are lost, you need Christ in your heart. You're unsaved. You need to be saved. Those of you who are saved and the stink of devil is on your shoulder telling you God can't use you anymore, you're unworthy, you're unworthy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. But you're not undone. Why? Why? It must be that God has a purpose for you. And that purpose is to share the gospel with somebody else.